Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, praise the Lord. God's good, isn't he? And all the time, God's good. Well, if you're new with us, we're glad to have you. We usually have scriptures on the screen. However, this morning I didn't have any scriptures to put on the screen. I wasn't sure where we were going to go, so there's not any scripture on the screen, so I'm going to read to you right here, okay? I'm going to pick up in one of the scriptures we covered last week, which was in Romans, the fourth chapter. And I'll pick up in the 16th verse. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed... That's us. Not only those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And it is written. That's written in Genesis. It says, In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead, calls those things which uh, do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to that what was spoken. So shall your descendants be, which is also in Genesis. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that he had had prom- uh, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. In other words, God promised that he can do it. God doesn't make a promise and then say, well, I can't do that. That's just too big for me. If he said it, he'll do it. If he makes a decree, it happens. He doesn't need a vote. His word's final. His word is forever settled in heaven. If his word goes forth, it doesn't return void. His word's what we build our lives on. It's what you should build your life on. It's the rock. Amen? It's the foundation. And it says, therefore, it was accounted to him uh, for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, us, you and I, for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, and who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. And I'll just stop right there. But... um. It will be imputed to us who believe. So what's required? Believing. Believing. <clears throat> believing what? In Jesus Christ, that He was raised from the dead. He went to the cross and died for your sins. Believing in Him. But I want to back up. I covered this scripture last week, but I want to back up and look at some other things right here real quick before we move forward. But um, He says, calling things in the 17th verse, who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. That's important. Calling things that do not exist as though they did. In other words, anybody can call it like you see it. Everybody's heard that. You said somebody's going, I'll just call it like I see it. Well, I mean, you know what? If you're on the jury, you need to call it like you see it. Because they put some evidence in front of you. But what the scriptures, what, what the scriptures right here is saying, he's calling things that are not as though they did exist. Things that, are not, that you don't see with your natural eyes. Anybody can call it like you see it with your natural eyes. Anybody can look at sickness and go, yep, he's sick. 
They're sick. Anybody can look at your bank account and go, this is not looking good. You can look at things like the natural and call it like you see it. That doesn't require any faith whatsoever at all. The biggest idiot on planet earth can do that. Anybody can do that. I see my granny over there, Caleb sitting by with a blue shirt on. That took no faith at all. I'm calling it like I see it. There it is. But see, what would be calling things are not as though they were is say, you know what? I see my whole entire family sitting over there by my grandma. It's speaking that in faith. I see that. That's what I see. That's what I'm calling in. Why are you calling in? Because it's not there. Why you go call your dog because he's not on the front porch when you're looking for him to feed him? You go, here's Sparky. Why you do that? Because he's not there. God's calling things uh, that do not exist as though they did. He spoke it. That's what we were talking about last, last week is our words speaking. What we're speaking. Y'all following me? Y'all with me? So this, this other part right here in the 18th verse, he says, uh, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Well, I want you to know we're the descendants. Abraham's the father of, of, us, of us all, father of many nations. We're his descendant. Guess what? He's blessed. You're blessed because you're a descendant. The, the, the blessings pass right on down to you and I because we're descendants. Amen? Now, let me run over here to Genesis real quick, the 17th chapter, and um, see what we can get into right here. This is when it happened. That was the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. When Abram, and notice his name was Abram, A-B-R-A-M, Abram, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked to him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. You shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name uh, be called Abram. But guess what? You get a new name. It says your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. This guy's not a father of anything. He's not a father of many nations. He's not even a father of a nation. But God said, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. He said, I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. Remember whose descendants? We are. We're descendants. He says, and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. This is not a covenant that's over and done with. These blessings that came down through this covenant is an everlasting covenant. You know how long everlasting is? It's ever. It's everlasting. We're right slap in the middle of it still right here today. It's not over and it's not done away with. God hadn't changed His mind. That's good news. Also I give to you your descendants, to you and your descendants, after you the land in which you're a stranger... All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. A stranger, but he's not a stranger anymore. Now it's yours. Now you're a citizen. Amen? So Abraham 
got a new identity. It was Abram, which means a high father, exalted father. And his new identity was Abraham. God changed his name and said, this was your old name, but now here's your new name. Your name's Abraham. Father of many nations is what Abraham means. Okay? In our uh, culture, our society, whatever, we don't pick a name. uh, I mean, some people may, but most of the time, I don't think my parents went through the book and said, I think we're going to pick this one because of what it means. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time, you just hear a name that's cool or something you like or you named after your father or whatever. Nobody even knows what it means. I had a guy work for me once, and his last name meant buzzard bait. It did. Carry on. His name was Joseph Carry on. He came and spoke here once. He had been in prison. Life sentence got out. And uh, he worked for me for a little while. And he told me, he said, my last name means buzzard bait. Look it up. I looked it up. It meant buzzard bait. I don't think his parents picked that one. Well, they may have. But in, in the Bible, what I'm saying is the Bible, we just name our kids now Bobby and Sue and Joe and... Red and David, Kevin, whatever. We just we pick your names. There's no significance to it, really. But there was right here. See, God said this, this name means something. So when you go look through the Bible, their names meant something. So when you went and shook your hand with somebody, you told them your name, there was something associated with that name. So if, can you imagine if your name was Buzzard Bait? Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you on Buzzard Bait. So when Abraham... Now he's saying, my name's Abraham. He, what he's saying is, I'm a father of many nations. I'm a father of many nations. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm a father of many nations. He's just a regular old looking dude like me and you. He's not a father of anything. But he's calling things that are not as though they were. Remember we just read it in Romans. Calling things that are not as though they were. God made a promise that I'm going to give it to you. And God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Now Abraham could have said, no, that'll never happen. I'm not going to let you change my name. I'm going to keep my old identity. And guess what? He wouldn't have been a father of many nations. God can say, you're healed by your stripes. You were healed. You can stand on that word and say, by his stripes, I am healed. Or you can say, no, that don't apply to me. I'm just too sick. My sickness is greater than the blood of Jesus. And you won't see healing. You can apply that to your finances. You can apply that to your marriage. You can apply anything you want. This word right here is a promise from God. You can apply it to your life. Even if it don't look like it, you call things are not as though they were. You call it an end. Here, Skippy, remember, the dog's not there. You're calling in healing. You're calling in money. You're calling in a wife. You're calling in a husband. You're calling in your family to church. Calling it in. Calling it in. Abraham was calling it in. He said, I'm a father of many nations. Guess what? The same thing applies to you and I. Those who believe, it'll be imputed unto you. We just read it in the scripture. That's good news. I'll never be delivered from this drinking problem. You won't be. Or you can say, guess what? Through all things, everything is possible. All things are possible to him who believes. If God be for me, who can be against me? I can be delivered from drinking. You know why? Because this word says I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do it. Amen. And we have a new identity as well. Abraham got a new identity. We have a new identity. And there's things that belong to us through this identity. We're not a foreigner. Now you're a citizen. You're not an orphan. Now you're a son. Now you're a daughter. Now you've been adopted into the kingdom and you have an uh, inheritance because your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. 
People say, no, don't buy my lunch. I say, you don't know my daddy. He's a multimillionaire. He owns a cattle on a thousand, the cattle on a thousand hills. I got this. Most people don't even know what that means. I just laugh and go on. My daddy's a gazillionaire. I'm talking about my heavenly father. Lunch ain't nothing to him. I'm not an orphan anymore. I'm not sick anymore. I'm healed. I'm not a foreigner. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's a serious thing. I may live in Gardendale, but I'm just passing through. My real identity, my real citizenship is found in the kingdom. That's where I'm from. I'm just an ambassador for Jesus Christ here just for a little while. Like Josh said, we're right there on the line. I do believe we are on the line. Why don't we accept these things? Why don't we walk in these things is what's been rolling around in my mind this week. Why don't we? Why don't we accept it? Why don't we walk in it? If all these things are true, why don't we live it? Why don't people receive it? There's two types of people I was thinking about this morning. There's those who want to, and there's those who don't want to. That's the truth. There's people that want this, they really want it, and there's those that don't. There's Christians that have been in church their whole life that don't want it. Because if you wanted it, you'd do it. He says, if you'll bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, I'll rebuke the devourer. If you know that scripture and you want the devourer to be rebuked, you should bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse so that this, he'll honor his word. But if you don't bring your tithes and offerings into the house, I can say you really don't want it. You don't want the devourer to be rebuked or you do it. That's pretty simple. Those people I can't help. I cannot help. But those who want it and say, I want to be obedient to this word and I want to do what this word says and I want to see this word come to fruition in my life. People that say that, I can help you. And you can help me because I want it just the same. There's a difference. So this morning I'm talking to people who want it. Who wants to walk in this and live in this and apply this to life and say, yeah, I want this. I want to do it. I'm ready to accept it. Why don't we do it? Here's what happens when we don't do it is this thing called you're deadheading. Anybody know what deadheading means? One person does. A few people right here know what deadheading means. Okay, well, you have a highway tractor and you have a farm tractor. You know what a farm tractor is. Forget that. A highway tractor is an 18-wheeler. It's really a tractor pulling a trailer, hence the name tractor-trailer. Right? So this tractor-trailer loads up here in Birmingham and makes a run to Atlanta. And they unload. The idea is to reload in Atlanta and head to North Carolina somewhere, Charlotte. And you're going to unload. Then you reload. And then we're going to head over here, Nashville, Wherever you're going, you're loaded. You're going to unload and you're going to reload. Then you're going to make your way back to Birmingham. You didn't waste any traveling. Your wheels weren't spinning. You were loaded the whole time. You understand what I'm saying? If you go from Birmingham to Atlanta and a hundred something thousand dollar rig, truck, $600 piece tires and insurance and all these things and fuel and you're unloaded, boy, you're just wasting a lot of miles and a lot of wear and tear on your vehicle. You're wasting a lot of money. You're wasting a lot of time. That's called deadheading. Truck drivers do not want a deadhead. You never want a deadhead. I apply this to my life. I'm on my job site. If there's some scrap wood that needs to make it to the truck, if a man says, I'm going to go get this tool, 
I, I try to teach him and I try to do it myself. Grab some wood, get your arm load while you're going to the truck, throw it in the truck, get your tool, come back, you have wasted no footsteps. Now when you're young, you just load it all in the truck and you run back and forth. Now as you get older, you learn not to waste your footsteps. Don't deadhead. I said, don't deadhead. The kid was going to get water out of my cooler just Friday. I said, hey, don't deadhead, grab some wood. He's new. He's like, deadhead, what does that mean? I had to explain it. He went, he's getting him some wood and he's going out there. We're not going to waste any footsteps. We do the same thing spiritually. Waste footsteps. Waste life. In other words, how many years have we deadheaded? Some 30, some 40, some 50, some still doing it? In other words, you've been given a life. God gave you a life to use for Him. Not to just spin your wheels. Not to just get on the treadmill and run and not go anywhere. But to get something accomplished. To get something done. Y'all with me? The parable, the talents. He gives these guys some talents. He says, do something with them. He comes back, what would you do? One said, well, I did this with it. He said, good job. What would you do with yours? Well, I did a little bit. Good job. What would you do with yours? I did nothing with it. He called him wicked. You know, we've all been given a life. We've all been given a talent. Some have been given multiple talents. Now, talents in the Bible is talking about money. And it's a parable and it's explaining. that I'm talking about talents as in gifts. God's given you a gift and He's anointed you to do something for Him. He has. You may not realize it. You may not know it. He's anointed you to do something for Him. Because what He wants you to do is too big for you to do on your own without the anointing. If you can do it by yourself without Him, He's really not in it. What He's going to call you to do is bigger than what you can do on your own. It takes faith. And He will anoint you to accomplish this mission. One day, every one of us are going to stand right here before him and he's going to say, what'd you do? What'd you do with what I gave you? I gave you 70 years, what'd you do? 50 years, what'd you do? 100 years, what'd you do? I gave you all this money, I gave you a business, I gave you a voice, I gave you skills you could play, I gave you an anointing to teach. I gave you all this money to help people. What'd you do? Why'd you hoard it all up? Why didn't you help the orphans and the widows and the poor people? Why'd you walk past the people down there under the bridge that needed food and a drink when you had a half a million in the bank? Why'd you do that? Because you know, remember my word said when you do unto them as you're doing unto me. So when you didn't feed them or give them nothing to drink, you didn't feed and give me nothing to drink. Why'd you do that? Why? Why did you never bring any tithes and offerings into the storehouse? Why did you never do that? I wanted to rebuke the devourer for your sake, but I couldn't. My word said, remember my word, I told you I would, but I can't go against my word, so I couldn't. That's why your roof kept leaking for 40 years. I wanted to rebuke it, but I couldn't. What did you do? What did you do? And what will our answer be? What keeps us from doing it? Well, I thought about what keeps us from doing it. What keeps us from doing it? What keeps us in the deadhead lifestyle where you're just spinning your wheels and you're just going empty and you're not accomplishing things? John's up there. He drives the UPS. He knows what I'm talking about when he's talking about deadheading. He's loaded everywhere he goes. He doesn't waste any footsteps or any driving. Do you? 
No. He don't go to Fultondale and then drive to Hoover and then go back to Gardendale. No, we hit Gardendale Fultondale while we're on this side of town. Yeah. Amen. We don't do it because of scars. Scars. We've all got scars. And scars keep you from becoming the person you need to become, the woman you need to become, the man you need to become, the teacher, the father, the mother, so on and so forth. And, you know, what we see are scars. There's a you that you see and there's a you that God sees. And the you that you see will prevent you from becoming the you that God sees. A lot of you's in there. That's the truth. And what you see is scarred up life, a scarred up person, a bunch of scars. And I've got some scars. Well, I've got a lot of scars. I was thinking in my office earlier, how many scars do I have? I can't count them all because some of them have faded away and some of them I've forgotten about. But on this hand, I had a few scars. On this hand, I counted three places I've had stitches on this one hand, three separate occasions, not all the same time. Stitches on this hand been burned, burned on my leg. Big old scar on this foot about this long. On this shoulder right here, it looks like the Monster Energy logo. I'd let them take a picture of it and use it if they'd pay me. It does. A violent dirt bike crash. Monster energy scar. Stick was there. I'm proud. Huh? Yes. I'm proud of that thing. It looks awesome. But I've got scars. But the scar that sticks out more than any other scar on my entire body is this one right here on my right ankle leg here. It's about yay long. You got a bunch of screws and a plate in it. Because when I look at that scar, or if I hit that steel plate against something that hurts, you know what I think about? I think about my pop ball. Because I was with him when I got that scar. Some of you have heard this story, but you get to hear it again because some of you haven't. But uh, I was uh, 18. I believe I, I believe I was 18. And um, I was building this Jeep, this engine from a Jeep. And the guy called. He said, the engine's ready. Yes, I'm going to go out there and get it before they close at 5. I said, Papa, I gotta go get this. I gotta go out here and get this engine. He said, No, nah, we're moving. <laughs> we're moving these buildings today. Well, there's no arguing. It's just yes, sir. All right, let's go. So we're moving these buildings. Well, long story short, this building, one of these buildings, fell on me, smashed me like a bug. And uh, I mean, it just crunched me down on the ground. I'm underneath it. It's 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 not good. And I'm laying there on the ground, and um, and my kneecaps. Seriously, my kneecaps are laying or going straight, and this foot's this way. Knee's still straight, and this one's just kind of laid out there flat like that. But this one right here, this one was broken. This one was broken really bad. Uh, pulled it out of the socket, tore all the ligaments in half, broke the bone in the spiral, broke the other bone, and it hurt. And uh, I went to the hospital. But anyway, while I'm laying there on the ground, this is the greatest story ever that I can ever tell you. I'm laying there on the ground. My feet are mangled up. I look I just got dropped out of a helicopter and landed on cement on my feet. I mean, they are just pointed every which way, right? And I can feel the bones crackling and all that stuff. And I'm laying there and uh, my papa, <laughs> my papa said, Little Red, I believe it would get you up and you can walk it off. I mean, there's probably more details to it, but the sake of time, that's the gist of it. Papa said, you can walk it off. 
And I said, Papa, take a look at them. Look at them. I said, I can feel the bones crackling in this one. So then he, he realized this was a, we weren't walking it off. He just sprang. But Papa had this saying, and I got to use it this week, and I loved saying it. He said, I've had bigger scratches than that on my eyeball. If you had a big gash in your arm and you definitely needed stitches, 100% for sure, had to have stitches, he'd go, oh, I've had bigger scratches than that on my eyeball. Said it all the time. If I said, Papa, you really need to get stitches. You're bleeding. I can see the bone. Bigger scratches on my eyeball. So this week I'm working on the ladder and I gashed my finger open. And it was bleeding. Blood everywhere. And uh, my, my new helper goes, are you okay? And I said, I turned and I looked at him and I said, why wouldn't I be okay? I knew what he was talking about. He goes, you're bleeding. It's bleeding bad. Are you sure you're fine? And I said, this? Boy, I've had bigger scratches on my eyeball. And he's, anyway, it was more funny to me than it was to him. But, but I've got a scar. I've got a scar and um, that scar has a memory associated with it. Uh, it wasn't a good memory at first, but now I, I laugh. I'm almost glad it happened, to be honest with you. It's kind of funny. It's a good story. Something I'll never <laughs> forget, ever. Never forget. It's really my stupidity. Papa got the blame, but really I just put my legs in a place they shouldn't have been. I was in some slick mud, and the thing just got me, and it was just a mistake I made, and it was stupid, and it cost me some pain and suffering, and, uh, but it left a scar. And that scar reminds me of the whole whole deal. And we had triplets. Um, and Jackie, you know, was carrying these triplets for how long was it? Yeah, 28 weeks. And got to a point where they said, you know, it's time to go in there and they have to do the C-section and they take them out. Well, you know what? It left a scar. But as these years have gone by, you can't even see it anymore. It is just like faded away. I mean, you might get down there and look real close and try to find it, but it's really pretty much just faded away. In time, it has gone away. But you know what that reminds her of? That reminds her... See, we went through a whole lot to get there. It reminds you of that. It reminds you of what you went through and and carrying them in there for 28 weeks. And it reminds you when the doctor said it ain't looking good, but it is good, it was good, and it's great now. It's a reminder of the joys of raising all three of them at the same time. It's a reminder. You know what it's a reminder of? How far God brought us. It's a reminder of how he was there the whole time and he's still there. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. You see what I'm saying? Scar needs to remind you how far God's brought you. And it's an outwardly scar. And it does fade in time. And some people hide their scars and don't want people to see them. They feel uncomfortable about them. But you shouldn't be ashamed of your scar. Man, your scars say, yeah, look look how God healed me. I used to be bad, but God healed me. It's a reminder of how far He's brought me, what all He's brought me through. Boy, i got scars on my arms right here, big ones on, on my arms, the scars all over me. Every one of them remind me of something. Sometimes they remind me of how stupid I was and how I brought this pain and suffering into my own life that nobody else did it. I did it because of a stupid mistake I made. 
But you know what? God didn't give up on me. He was merciful. And He extended and showed me grace. It's a reminder of God was still with me. He didn't leave me. He didn't forsake me. But there's bigger scar problems than that. Those aren't, I'm just talking about scars on the outward. I'm talking about the ones that prevent you from walking in the fullness and being the person God called you to be are the inward scars. The ones that people can't see. Because people, everybody in here has got outward scars and everybody in here has got a scar on the inside. Something's happened to you, whether you, it's a self-inflicted scar or if you were hurt by somebody. There's people that say, I was hurt by my dad. I was hurt by my mama. I was hurt by my children. I was hurt by my aunt and my uncle. My closest friend, the pastor, the church hurt me. Relationship, your spouse. I was hurt. I was hurt. You carry around that hurt in your heart and you carry it around and every time that scar is just a reminder of how bad they did you and how bad they hurt you. And you have these other scars where you, you remind yourself of how bad you hurt yourself. If I hadn't have done that, I could have been a good husband. The divorce did not have to happen if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have been so stupid. And I hadn't have done this. And that leaves you with a scar because you could have been the man God called you to be. You could have been the husband God called you to be. I'm left with a scar because my kids were taken away from me. He got custody or she got custody. Why? Because I made a mistake. And now I'm not a part of their life, or now this, or now that. And it leaves you with a scar. We could have had a nicer house. I could have helped them through college, but I made a mistake and I blew my money away, and it leaves you with a scar. You think about it. My kids could be not driving nicer vehicles. They could not be working their self through college. I could have paid them through college had I not made this stupid mistake, had I not gambled it away, drank it away, or invested it away, or did something stupid. It leaves you with a scar. Every time you see them driving that beat up piece of junk, you're, you're reminded of how you messed it up. Every time you go into this house that's falling apart and you think, man, I could have had that house, but way back there, I did this or that. And you start blaming yourself. You start blaming yourself. It leaves a scar. How could God possibly use me how could I become this? Or how could I become that? How could I become the person? How could I do anything based off all these scars and all these mistakes that I've made? Well, I want to say this one more time. That scar needs to remind you how far God's brought you. What He's brought you through. How good He's healed you. Amen? Think about Peter. Think about Paul. You're talking about somebody who was scarred. He was scarred on the outside because he got beat to death several times. But he was also scarred on the inside because his word says, the things I try to do, I mess up and I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I mess up and I do them. That'll leave a scar. That'll leave a mark. But he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament and had a greater revelation of God's grace than any other human being that ever walked planet Earth. Well, there's a few preachers out there that claim now that they've got a greater revelation than Apostle Paul. I guess maybe they're trying to apply this verse of... Uh, uh, call things or not as though they were, maybe. But anyway, that's a mighty bold, arrogant statement to make. That's just Red's opinion. Peter. Peter's there and he says, 
who, who, who am I? Jesus says, who am I? Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And they all made some predictions of who they thought they were, some guesses of who they thought they were. And Peter says, I know who you are. You're Christ. You're the Son of the living God. That's who you are. And Jesus says, you know what? Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, my brother. But my Father, which in heaven, guess what? He's the one that revealed it to you. It's a revelation, and on that revelation, that's the revelation I'm going to build my church on. And here's the keys to the kingdom right here. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's the keys right here. This revelation right here that I am the Son of God, I'm the Son of the living God. That revelation, he said, that's the revelation I'm going to build my church on. He said, I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means rock. The rock, the foundation, the revelation, the foundation, the revelation of what I'm going to build my church on. That's why he told Peter, that's a pretty big deal because Peter was a major screw-up and now all of a sudden, he's got the keys. Looky here, boys. I got the keys. But then shortly after, guess what happened? He denied Jesus three times. That didn't leave an outward scar. That left an inward scar. When you've denied your Lord and Savior three times and then you look at Him over there and they're just beating Him and beating Him and beating Him and He's bleeding and got a crown of thorns in His head and He looks up and makes eye contact with you. That'll leave a scar when you denied Him. And there's a lot of people in here, including myself, that have lived a life that reflected that you denied Him because you sure weren't living for Him. Then He's hanging on the cross. And He's hanging there. Can't you imagine Peter looking at Him? And after it's all over and they buried Him and then He goes back home or thinking about, He gave me the keys to the kingdom. He told me, I'm, I'm the one, this revelation, this is what we're going to build the church on. And then I denied it. Can you imagine the scar on the inside? I've never, never had a scar that deep and that nasty. Have you? He got a new name. That's important. God gave him a new name. We all get new names. You know what? Jesus, when he came out of the tomb, the women were looking for Jesus and they said, he said, what are you looking for? I just said, what are you looking for? Looking for Jesus? The, the, the living's not here among the dead. Go tell the disciples and Peter. The disciples and Peter. I ain't given up on him. I ain't cast him to the curb. I ain't kicked him to the side. I know he's got a scar, but guess what? I've got a lot more scars. Look at me. I'm covered with scars, and I was scarred for him so he don't have to be scarred. I got up and got out of the grave so he can get up and get out of his circumstance. It's time for him to get up and get after it. I told him who he was. I told him what to do. Don't let the scar stand in the way. That's basically what Jesus was saying. Jacob was a deceiver. He lied. He come and stole his brother's birthright. Didn't he? And then later on he found himself... In fear, he goes down by the river. He thinks his brother is going to come and kill him. He goes down by the river to seek the Lord. Here's somebody that was scarred. He was scarred on the inside because the way he had done things, the way he had lied, the way he had deceived, the way he had done things, he goes down to seek the Lord. Guess what? Wrestling match occurred. He wrestles an angel of the Lord all night long. All night long. He said, I'm not going to turn you loose. It's about daybreak. He said, I'm not going to turn you loose until you bless me. And he blessed him. Too bad his hip was out of socket. And he walked away with a limp. He was walking away different. He's walking away with a limp. Let me tell you, you can walk with a limp and still get the blessing. 
You can live life and go through a life with scars all over you and still be blessed. And he was blessed. He's, he, the God changed his name to Israel, from Jacob to Israel. That's where the nation of Israel came from. He said, I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new name. You and I got a new name. They got new identities. We get new identities. Don't let your scar stand in the way of stepping over here into your new identity. Don't stay over here and keep deadheading. Don't deadhead due to your scars. You're spinning wheels. You get nothing accomplished. In Mark, the second chapter, and... uh, John the fifth chapter, there's two different instances. In Mark the second chapter, there's a guy lowered down through the roof. He's on a mat. He's paralyzed. Jesus says, take up your mat and go home. In the other story, there's a man by the pool. He says, take up your mat and go home. You want to be healed? You do. Take up your mat and go home. Do you want to be healed? You do. Take up your mat and go home. He told both of them, take up their mat and go home. They're paralytics. But take up your mat and go home. I would have said, hey, throw that mat out there in the dumpster and go on home. You don't need that anymore. But I find it very interesting that Jesus says, take your mat with you. Take it with you. That thing had to be stinky and smelly and dirty and nasty, and you don't need it anymore because you're not paralyzed. But maybe he told him to carry it with him for a reason. So people could say, hey, what's that old mat right there? Why'd you keep that old thing? Why? Because that's a reminder where I used to be and how far God brought me. It's like a scar. See how good he healed me? That's just a reminder. Don't throw your mat out. See, you can use those things to help other people through their troubles. We want to hide our scars and we don't want anybody to know what we're going through. We don't want anybody to see the troubles we've been through. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe. Jesus appeared to the disciples. They told Thomas. He said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it and touch those scars. I'm going to have to put my finger, I'm going to have to put my finger in those holes. On the side of his hands, his feet. I'm going to have to touch him. I'm going to have to see those scars before I'm going to believe it. Shortly thereafter, guess who walks up in the place? Jesus. He said, hey, Thomas, here you go. Looky here. Here's my scars. Thomas saw them. Thomas believed. He said, blessed are those who believe and don't see. But nevertheless, Jesus still had his scars. But the Bible says we go to heaven, we're going to get a new body. We're not going to be all scarred up. But it's interesting that Jesus still has his scars. Jesus had the scars for a reason. So He could let Thomas touch the scars. So He could let you and I see the scars. So people would know how far God brought him. See, this is what it looked like. It looked like defeat when I'm hanging on the cross and I got scarred up and thorns in my head and hands, nails through my hands and nails through my feet. It looked like defeat, but guess what? I came out victorious. Look how good God healed me. You see, He let him touch the scars. We need to let people touch our scars. You need to let people see how far God's brought you. Don't, don't keep it all balled up and keep it all a secret. That's not going to help anybody. You, you, you overcome a marriage issue, but we're going to keep it real quiet. No, somebody else over there is having a marriage issue. Guess what? They need to see your scars. They need to touch your scars. They need to see how God healed your marriage so God can heal their marriage. It'll give them hope. Look, this is where I was financially. I had no money. I couldn't even buy a little Caesar's pizza. But look where I'm at right now. You want to touch my scars? God bless me. He can bless you. God brought me out. He can bring you out. Yeah, this is the medical report. Look at it. Looks pretty bad. 
But I'm still here. You want to touch my scars and see how far God brought me? You want to see my boys and see how far God brought them? Compared to what? If I put pictures on the screen up there of them, you cry. It's terrible. Tubes, hoses, everything going everywhere, and they're this big. See how far God brought them? How far God brought us? Don't hide your scars. Be proud of them. Show those bad boys off. So this is how God, how far He brought me. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. There's two guys, and He walks with them. And that's the name of this ministry. It's based off that story of Seven Mile Ministry, Seven Mile Walk. And He's there at their house, and they don't know who He is. And Scripture doesn't say this. This is just what I think. But it says they, they knew Him when He broke the bread. And they're sitting at a table with Jesus, and He grabs this loaf of bread and breaks it and hands it to them. I think they saw the scars. I think they saw the holes in His hand. Then it says He vanished. God, Jesus let us see His scars. In fact, His whole body is covered in scars. You know what? Every strap on His back, there's a scar with your name written in it. He says, you don't have to carry around the scars anymore. I'm carrying them for you. You don't have to be scarred. I was scarred for you. Your name is written in every scar. And I know we preach this and most people preach this. The Bible doesn't say this one way or the other. This is just what I believe. But we preached 39 lashes. I don't think it was 39 lashes. The Jews said 40 less one. That was the law. So they did 39 just to make sure that they didn't go over 40 because you couldn't break the law. But he was not crucified by the Jews. He was crucified by the Romans. If you look up and study uh, Roman crucifixion they had this thing called the halfway death because they didn't want to have to go through all the work of putting you on the cross and getting you down. So they tried to kill you right there at the whipping post. That you wouldn't even make it halfway to the cross. You're going to die right here. That's what's called the halfway death. There wasn't no 39 lashes on his back. It was probably more like hundreds and hundreds of lashes all over his entire body. Because if we can kill you here, we get off work early today. Nothing's changed. We do the same thing right now today. 2,000 years later. If we can get the job done, get off work early, let's do it. Hundreds of lashes, thousands of lashes maybe. Every scar has got, your name's written in the scar. That's powerful. Y'all, praise team, y'all come on up. We get scarred and we let our past stand in the way of our future. God uses the scars. Have you ever done anything right in your life? Have you ever done anything wrong in your life? My sister got a ticket Sunday because her tag expired and she didn't know it. But you know what? I got pulled over once and I told the officer, I said, officer, I didn't even know so-and-so, whatever it was. And he goes... Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You're getting a ticket. Same thing for her. $185.90 ticket, happy birthday. But she didn't know it. She did not know it. You know what she said? She said, I'll never make that mistake again. Because it left a scar. It left a little mark. What I'm saying is the mistakes you make, the things that scar you, that's the ones you don't forget. That's the ones that God shapes 
and mold you. You're the clay in the potter's hand, in the potter's wheel. That's the things he uses to shape and mold you into the person he's called you to be. That's the things that strengthen you. That's the things you can use in your life to help others through their life. There's somebody coming right behind you in life. A few years younger, perhaps a few years older. There's always somebody coming. God's going to put you in this place, this area of influence. Somebody around you needs you. Somebody around you needs to touch your scars. Somebody around you needs to see your scars. Somebody around you needs to see and hear how, God, how far God brought you. I went over to Biggin this morning. A lot of y'all don't know him because he stays at the children's church. But he's, his, his nickname's Biggin. You know why? Because he's a Biggin. Kind of like I'm red because I got red hair. Well, he's a Biggin. He's a big fella. And I said, Biggin, how many years has it been since you had your chest cut open and they spread you up like a deer at the hunt club? Because he had his heart operated on. That's what they do. They just split you open. He said, about four years. I said, you got a scar? I got a scar. Sure do. I said, when you look at that scar, what do you think? He said, He said, when I looked at that scar, I just thank God that I'm alive. He don't look at the scar. He's not mad at God. He looks at the scar and he says, thank you, Jesus, that I'm still alive. I can still be a father to my son, father to my daughter. I can still be a husband. I can still help out over here. I can still be the manager over there across the street. I can still be a son-in-law. Thank you, Jesus, that I can still have an opportunity to live my life and not live the deadhead life, but to go loaded. Amen. There's a man at the temple and he's laying there lame. He'd been laying there lame for years, most all of his life. And Peter and John are on their way to the temple because it's the hour of prayer. And he's shaking his money can because he's lame and he's just there. He's just a beggar. And he's shaking his can around. And Peter and John walk up to him and they say, Hey, silver and gold, we don't have any silver and gold, but what we do have we'll give you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, reach out your hand, grab my hand. He said, arise and walk. And the lame man reached out his hand. He pulled him up to his feet. And he went running and skipping and jumping through the temple because he was so excited. And there's so many. He has spent his whole life deadheading. I can't because I'm lame. I can't because I got a limp. I can't because my mama, because my daddy, because my kids, because my sister, my brother, my workplace. I can't because I'm an addict. I can't because I'm an alcoholic. I can't because of the divorce. I can't because of this or that or all kind of excuses. Ultimately, I can't do it because I'm scarred. Look at this nasty scar. Boy, I got a scar on the inside of me. You don't know how I was abused as a child. You don't know how I was raped or beaten or mistreated. You don't know the half of it. I've got a scar in here. So I can't reach out my hand. I can't receive it. That's the enemy lying to you right now in your ear. Yeah, you can. And what he's saying is, reach out your hand. I got something for you. Scars can't stand in the way of this. I got a gift for you. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now rise and walk. There ain't no addiction greater than the blood of Jesus. There's no sickness greater than the blood of Jesus. There's no past. There's no scar greater than the blood of Jesus. 
These are the thoughts that are rolling through my mind this morning. And I came in here and I listened to them practice. And I knew that was confirmation that I was hearing from the Lord. Who I am. You got a new identity. Do you know who you are? I think the Lord's speaking to us this morning saying, you can just stay right there, lame, beggar, keep blaming your scars, keep giving excuses of why I can't fulfill the calling on my life. Or I can look at these scars as not as an excuse, but I'm going to look at these scars as a reminder that God's never forsaken me. He's never left me. He's seen every tear. He's heard every prayer. He's been by my side the whole time. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And He's brought me a mighty long way and He's not through with me yet. And I'm ready to stick out my right hand. I'm ready to go loaded. The life of deadheading is over. That's what you got to make your mind up this morning. Because one day, just like we said at the beginning of service, one day you will go forward. What would you do with what I gave you? Are you going to pull out your list? Are you going to pull your list out of your box pocket? Go down your list of excuses of why you couldn't do it? That makes me tremble thinking about it. That makes me tremble thinking about it. I want to hear, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear... wicked servant. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 